Hey, y'all. Welcome to the show, uh, Brother Hill Hopper here. What's up, Congressman? I mean, uh, Hill Hopper. Right now, and he's getting ready for Congressman. Getting ready for the United <laughs> for the Senate. States. Yes. Oh, the Senate. The That's Senate. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but I'm saying it all, all right now because it's all going to go down for you. Yes. No, I appreciate it. You know, we have such a long-standing history, and I, I so appreciate You know, making this move uh, to run for this open U.S. Senate seat here and in Michigan is a, is a huge step. You know, I've lived in Detroit the last eight years and mm-hmm. just the greatest place in the world and, and, and get a chance every every ch- chance I get to drive on down the road and come to Cleveland and see all the people that I love there. And, yeah. and, and, and this has just been a great opportunity and, and to have the support I've been getting for this race has been incredible. Yeah, man. And, and what I what I did not know, um, I actually, me and Bijou was talking to Warren the other day, we did not know that uh, this has been the first time in 57 years that Michigan doesn't have uh, black Democratic representing in Congress, bro. Representing the Senate. I, I, I didn't. 57 years, man? 57 years, and we're going backwards, and we can't allow that to happen. And, and people have to understand, when we talk about the United States Senate, yes, it's for Michigan, but every law they pass, every decision that's made applies to everybody across the country. That's why representation matters. That's why reaching out to folks in Ohio, reaching out to folks across the country for their support is critical because I'll be representing them as well. You know, yeah. this is this is about legislation and it's about where does that six point two trillion dollar federal budget go? And if we don't have someone sitting at the table fighting for us and our issues then you see the results. You can drive around Cleveland. You can drive around Detroit. You can drive around Baltimore, Newark, St. Louis. I can go on and on and on. The cities that look and feel the same in communities that have not had representation. So, Hill, tell me what made you want to take this this uh, this new route in how? Because you've always fought for the community. You've always been a yeah. voice uh, for you know for the voiceless. What made you want to take the step into politics to try to to change the narrative in from that perspective? Well, well, BC, that's, that is the reason, because I felt like doing the books, doing the projects, doing my foundation, and we're going backwards. Mm-hmm. It's not working. Okay. And, and, and I can't sit on the sidelines and see my communities literally die and see people die because of it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, this is something that, that is, is pushed me to do. You know, when I started as an actor originally, I wanted to be like Harry Belafonte. I wanted to be like Paul Robeson, Sidney mm. Poitier. Yeah. And, and, and my, one of my first movies was the movie Get on the Bus. Right. I sat on set next to Ozzie Davis for, for weeks in that movie, and he talked about Malcolm X coming to his house and Dr. King and Harlem and him and Ruby D. You know, we come from a legacy. We're, all, we're on the shoulders of giants who weighed in politically and socially to change the condition of our communities. And now we've allowed literal crazy people to take over the government and take our money, which, which we pay in taxes, mm-hmm. and literally not give us any representation. You know, I, I, I can't sit by and watch this happen to our democracy. I can't sit by and watch what's happened to our communities, to our young people, to our environment, to our education system, to our health care. I mean, we can go on and on and on. It's been a big money grab, and, and the fix is in. And we have to have people that can't be bought, bossed, or bullied yes. standing up to these interests. And and how how would you handle these these uh, 
and these this, the healthcare man, the, these insurance companies, the prescription yeah. is just out just out of control, man. We pay the most for a prescription drug country in the world. You know, my mother, both my parents were doctors, and my mother was one of the first black female anesthesiologists in the country, and she she lives with me right here in Detroit, and and we talk about it all the time. We have if you get sick, you have a right to see the doctor, and right now. The number one cause of personal bankruptcies is catastrophic medical. One third mm. of all GoFundMe's are healthcare related. GoFundMe is not a health plan. We need to wow. pass Medicare for all. We need to pass universal health care. We have to have a universal health care safety net for people who get sick. Big Pharma spent $373 million in 2022 on elections. They are controlling the politicians. And until we break the cycle of getting away from big pharma lobbyists and the big insurance companies and literally say, we, if we are going to care for you and negotiate down these drug prices, we're going to take care of you and make sure that you have coverage if you get sick. That's what we have to do, like the vast majority of other developed countries around the world. Hmm. You know, Hill, one thing that I get so tired of uh, uh, that we have to report um, and it's become the norm in America is the mass shootings, uh, yes. gun control. Uh, it's so now it's become the norm that when we get it, okay, well, how many were, right. you know, what did they get the gun? And it's like, we keep hearing the same story over and over and over, but yet nothing yeah. is, is being done. What's your take and what's your thoughts on how we could, uh, absolutely the, the NRA and the gun lobby are billion dollar lobby who have literally bought politicians to do nothing against us. Now, watch what I'm about to say. The number one cause of death of children in this country is gun violence. Oh, and nice. if we're not willing to take it on, and in fact, think about what we did around car seat. When the number one cause of death yeah. was auto accidents <clears throat> with children, we required everyone to get car seats. We required to protect children. I have a son in second grade who's eight years old. He told me, the, you know, when he was in first grade one day, he didn't want to go to school because he was afraid to get shot. And it wasn't because there was an active threat in his school. It's because at the school, they're having these little kids do drills. Like, think mm. about it. At your mm. house, would you traumatize your child and say, get under the cover. There might be a shooter coming in. You're not going to do that. We are mentally traumatizing children because we don't want to deal with the root cause of the problem, yeah. which is getting what I call weapons of mass murder off of our streets. Yeah. And since we're not willing, and then other root causes of violence in our communities would have to do with economic realities of actually improving our communities economically. We have to deal with the root cause, but since politicians are bought off by the NRA and the gun lobby, they're afraid to do anything. They'll try to pass these small little things, a red flag law here, or register this, rather than taking on the fact that this is a different technology. When the Second Amendment was passed, remember, I went to Harvard Law School, so I can talk to anybody about the Second Amendment. And when the Second Amendment was passed, what did you have to do to load up an arm? It was a musket. It took three minutes, and you know you could shoot it once. You know, this is a different technology, so to, to claim that the gun... You can kill more people with a certain type of weapon you can buy right now yeah. uh, than you can with a hand grenade. But we're not letting people just go in and buy hand grenades. So why are we letting people have weapons of mass murder? 
and we can clean them up off the streets. Gun buyback programs work. Other types of programs that actually bring in weapons off the streets work. Yet no one wants to move on it because they say it's a slippery slope to taking away guns. I don't want to take away people's pistols and rifles and shotguns. My dad used to take me ski shooting. I want you to keep your guns, but I don't want you to have weapons of murder. It's two different things. Okay, so I can't have you said Harvard Law. Now, I, what you're doing gives so much hope because it gives me a memory of one of your old friends from Harvard Law who made history going to the Senate and then becoming the president. In the future, do you see that for something that you would want to do potentially running for president like President, former President Barack Obama? No, because I'll tell you why. <laughs> the, 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 the U.S. Senate is the most powerful body okay. in all of politics. I was okay. just saying this all man. What We was talking about okay. this. You're right. You know, when, when we talk about, let's just think about it real quick. My, my constitutional law professor used to hammer this in. The judicial branch rules on the constitutionality of what the Senate passes. The executive branch, which is the president, either signs into law or vetoes what the Senate passes. The House of Representatives or the Congress sends a bill to the Senate that the Senate can then amend, change. They can change the name. They can change everything in it. And they ultimately pass. So the hundred people that sit around that table are the people ultimately making the decisions of where that $6.2 trillion federal budget goes. And if, and, and if we want to actually start solving problems in our community, like public education, like student loan debt, like health care, like gun safety and public safety, like women's reproductive rights and freedoms, if we want to solve these things, you're going to solve them in the U.S. Senate. You're not going to solve them in the White House or in the in the Supreme Court. you got to solve it legislatively. And that's where I need to be, and that's where I need to be fighting for us in that body. That's why it's so hard. There's been a higher percentage of black U.S. presidents than there are percentage of black U.S. senators. Think about that. Yeah. Wow. Was it only 12? 12, and only four have won what you call their first time on cycle. That's how hard it is to do what I'm trying to do. Meaning, when I say on cycle, meaning you go through a primary and then you win the general election because the other eight have either been first appointed or won by special election. Mm. It's, it's, it's very difficult to do what we're attempting to do because it's so powerful. And that's why there's so many people trying to fight us from actually making it happen because they know right. I'm not a go along, get along. Yeah. Mm. U.S. Senate candidate Hill Hopper. I, I, I can I can say this before before he takes it. Um, I was his uh, before Uber came out. I was his Uber driver here in Cleveland. <laughs> doing. Uh, so you said you want to don't yeah. forget about you. Right, right. I was before Uber was out. I was doing a campaign of uh, President Obama. Uh, this man has always been on the ground uh, when it comes to uh, and, and he he is definitely concerned about the community always since at least I've been uh, knowing you, man. So continue to do the work, man, and, and I, I well, wish you well. You. And that's why, Sam and Bijou, that's why I need folks' support. And I need folks' support. If you know somebody in Michigan, please let them know about the primary, which is about six and seven months away, August 6th. I and got, I got a whole crew of family <laughs> which is huge. in Detroit. And, so. and, then, and then at the same time, you know, funding, well, this is a grassroots campaign, so we yeah. need people's support. If they can go to hillharper.com, check out the website, and then, um, you know, you can give people this number. They can also text us at 313-942-4455. That, that, that way they can text us, stay in touch, 
and, and, and one thing we never talk about, and this is the last thing, mm-hmm. listen to this. You know how many jobs that a U.S. senator can actually appoint people to? They create anywhere from, they, they can appoint anywhere from 40 to 120 different people, legislative aides, et cetera. You know the percentage of the legislative aides and people who work those jobs that are African-American is less than 0.5%. Wow. And, and so if we really want to start setting people up for success and putting new generations of leaders yeah. in, yeah. we need to think about what downstream with who we elect and who's going to place people in these positions. What happens is usually big donors' kids get these placements. Mm. That's not what's going to happen with my campaign. We're going to get people from the community on Capitol Hill working these jobs so they can get set up for success for the next level. We have to start doing this and got to stop playing checkers and start playing chess. And that's the only way we're going to see true change in our community. And that's why I need everybody's support. All right. Yo, Hopper, ladies and gentlemen, man, appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. You both keep up the great work. So proud of you. And, you know, the signal gets a little weak by the time it gets to Detroit, but I try to listen every day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. WZAK Cleveland Doc. Put, get that app, too. You can hear on the app. I got to get the app. I got to get, get the, the app. app. And I can listen, on, listen to it on Alexa. That, there you go. There you there go. There you go. <laughs> All right, bro. All right. God bless. Thank you. Too, you. Man.